cards are with us. All right. Hello, hi there. My name is Osayed Butt, and you are listening to the Battle Podcast by Battle Astra, where we bring together bright minds from the Web3 space to talk about their experiences and learnings. In today's episode, we have with us someone who I would like to call a watchdog of the crypto space, Aishwarya Tiwari. A former IT consultant turned crypto enthusiast, Aishwarya likes to use data to tell complex stories to readers in a simple way. Aishwarya has been actively working in the crypto industry since 2017, covering developments around different industry verticals such as DeFi, NFT, self-sovereign identities, layer one blockchains, and the likes. Currently, Aishwarya works as the chief editor at the popular crypto news website, Crypto.News. In the past, he has also worked as the chief editor of Blockchain Reporter. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aishwarya. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for having me over, Osset. Uh, thank you for the warm welcome. And uh, uh, it's been a pleasure joining Battle Podcast. And I'm very excited about this. It's actually my first podcast, uh, so to speak. So, uh, I mean, I'm, it's very fascinating. And uh, thank you for that introduction as well. Uh, I'm doing good. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's decent weather over here. And uh, I look forward to having a meaningful and uh, enriching um, episode or podcast with you. And uh, hopefully, I by the end of it, I feel we will have enough content so that uh, uh, all the listeners they will have something to take uh, take away from this podcast and uh, maybe use that in the crypto journey in the future. So yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for this. Definitely, Aishwarya. Likewise, we are very excited too. We are also joined by Bucks Khurana today. Bucks is the founder of Battle Astra. Hi, Bucks. How are you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. Um, I'm really loving the Dubai life. I have recently moved here and um, we've set up our company here, finally got it registered and it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. So to all the listeners, definitely watch out for Battle Astra. And uh, some very exciting things coming up also with the Battle Podcast. So keep listening. Uh, so Aishwarya, let's just get right into it. Tell us about your journey. Uh, how were you introduced to the crypto space? What got you uh, into crypto? And we all know once you get into crypto, there's no going out. So uh, what what got you into the space? Uh, sure. So... Um... I was working as an IT consultant for uh, Wipro Technologies in Bangalore in uh, 2016, I guess. Yeah, 2016. I started in like 2013, uh, 2016 and I worked there for about two, two and a half years, right after my graduation uh, from Delhi University. And uh, about like two, two and a half years into the job, I was, uh, uh, you know, like I was feeling a little... I was feeling that I could do a lot more with my, with my time and my career uh, as well. And at that time, one of my friends, he was uh, working for this uh, crypto publication called btcmanager.com. So crypto.news, where I currently work as a chief editor, we, uh, that is basically the uh, website after btcmanager.com got rebranded earlier this year in January. So uh, at the time I started, uh, my own blog. I started writing about uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. I during my free time uh, at my job over the weekends and at like late at night and so on. I used to uh, go to project websites, read their white papers, and interact with the uh, project moderators on Telegram and so on. And uh, most importantly, use the uh, protocols because. Uh, uh, I see a lot of uh, people who are very interested in reading about crypto and, uh, uh, you know, like they have a lot of content around crypto and so on. But uh, in my experience, uh, the best teacher, if you want really want to um, make a career in crypto, is to just uh, use the products that are available. And, uh, of course, I also understand that these products are not exactly free to use because... Uh, uh, let's say if you want to swap some tokens on Uniswap and uh, that, uh, I mean, uh, the protocol, it will charge you like, I mean, the char 
sees is a lot better now because of uh, uh, the because of how the market has crashed and it's about like 50 cents or 60 cents but uh, at the peak of the market i i actually uh, did some transaction that cost me around fifty dollars just for a transaction, and even then there was no guarantee that the transaction would get approved because I mean there was just so much congestion on the Ethereum blockchain. But uh, I mean I, I I just saw that as a uh, that as a cost that I paid for uh, for my learning because uh, uh, I mean because trust me like if I read about Uniswap and if I watch videos on Uniswap on YouTube or any other such protocol. I, uh, I mean, I learned the, uh, uh, let's say the tech infrastructure of the protocol and so on, like how to connect your wallet and so on. But until or unless I actually connect my MetaMask to Uniswap and approve the transaction, and uh, uh, I, I don't think I'll really actually learn how to how these things work. And once you like use it, then you just start, uh, then everything start making sense to you, like how the smart contract is functioning and uh, why the uh, token number of tokens matters so much uh, why the vesting schedule of tokens matters so much and uh, and so on so uh, my number one advice or alpha that we call in the crypto industry to all the newcomers would be just to just uh, uh, use the products and uh, fortunately um, at this time these products do not cost a lot because uh, as i mentioned uniswap transaction barely costs around 50 60 cents at the moment and uh, today in 2022 we also have a lot of alternatives which which were not there in uh, 2017 or 2016 2018 let's say we have solana today which is uh, which costs you like a fraction of a cent which is almost negligible for transaction costs we have avalanche and we have polygon as well from india so we have all these different solutions where you won't, we also have a roll-up solution like Optimism, Arbitrum, ZK Sync on Ethereum. And uh, these solutions, they do not, they won't cost you a lot and you will also be learning a lot. So, I mean, uh, just get your hands dirty if you really want to learn more about the industry. Like, I think, um, I mean, your if you if I had a crypto resume, so to speak, I mean there would be some bullet points about uh, getting rubbed two or three times, buying scam tokens unknowingly two or three times. So that's that those things like they make you a seasoned uh, crypto user. And uh, unless you have like lost a little bit of money or uh, you know like lost a, a few nights sleep over it, uh, you won't really understand like the level of magnitude of the industry that you're dealing with. So, I mean, get those things on your CV and uh, get your DGEN score high so that uh, you stand out among the other, uh, uh, amongst your competition when you're applying for a job. So, uh, I mean, that's uh, pretty much uh, like how I started with the industry. And uh, that would be my advice for anyone who plans to start. Wonderful. So, I definitely do want to uh, talk about scam tokens and shit coins as well. Uh, but uh, before we go to that, uh, Bucks, I want to bring you in here as well. Uh, Aishwarya mentioned his alpha is get your hands dirty. What is your alpha? What's uh, your uh, primary key advice? What's your alpha? I mean, so I have two alphas. I think um, the most important thing, which Aishwarya kind of hinted on, is that you have to get scammed. And um, you can't call yourself a crypto OG or someone who understands crypto if you've not got scammed. And when I mean scammed, like, Personally, I've got scammed so many times it even led to like lawsuits and stuff like that. But um, I feel at some stage, everybody has gone through some kind of scam, especially because Web3 is such a nascent stage. Um, even the Web3 startups, they might be valued at 7 million, 10 million, 20 million, but they're probably just new companies with people who have just um, probably their first startup or something. And um, yeah, so I think my first alpha would be getting scammed. And second alpha is it's all about the people you know. Uh, I feel when you want to get into Web3, you need to know the right people if you want to scale up really fast. And uh, that's why we do this podcast. That's why we are hosting meetups. That's why we network a lot. That's why I th regularly post content on LinkedIn. And I think anybody who wants to get into Web3, the easiest way, of course, to learn about it is to do the protocols. But to actually build a career in Web3, I think the easiest way is to just know a lot of people. And whatever, I'm not a networking guru, but the easiest way is to know a lot of people. Definitely, definitely. No matter which industry, I think uh, these alphas still apply. 
and uh, to crypto most certainly they do uh, now coming to uh, stuff like uh, uh, crypto scams and shit coins uh, being part of uh, the crypto media uh, and again the crypto media is often blamed for legitimization of uh, these shit coins and uh, crypto scams uh, a lot of times so how do you as a journalist as uh, the chief editor of uh, crypto.news steer clear of such things uh yeah so that's a pretty interesting question because uh uh we see uh me- manipulation by media even in like traditional media so it's not something um, i mean over i mean although in traditional media things are a lot more subtle but uh, we do uh, see that you know like uh, how data is being manipulated or how the programming what they show on tv or on the digital channels how that influences the psyche of the viewer so that is also a sort of manipulation so to speak but like coming to the crypto media space um uh, the thing is um it really boils down to the uh, ethics and the principles of the publication because uh, uh, there's a lot of projects out there and uh, i mean they might not be in a very good condition right now but uh, let's say 2021 or early 2022 there was a lot of money and like by by a lot of money i mean like really a lot of money with in the industry so i mean you could raise i mean you could do a fundraising round by just presenting a deck and having a, you know like you don't have to talk about valuations you don't have to have a working product you don't have to have anything so you can just uh launch a random nft collection of 10000 uh, dog pictures or cat pictures and that will like get sold like hotcakes at the peak of the market because everyone was euphoric at the time like it was also about buying things and selling buying and selling so there was a lot of volume and because of this high volume uh even the exchanges and uh, all these uh, other businesses they were making a lot of money and uh, i feel uh, at this when you are in such a state of a market uh it is very easy for even companies or projects who have no road map nothing at all to just uh, buy out media and uh, they can like offer you like a very handsome amount like a very good amount just to get a favorable story for them uh, published on your website and uh, along with that uh, it uh, they can also like offer you a lot of deals like uh, exclusive deals like they will send uh, people to your website and so on so but it all ultimately boils down to the ethics and uh, principles of the website and uh, if you are a crypt if you call yourself a crypto publication then i think you should be adhering to the uh, journalistic standards of traditional media like you should not be uh, biased and even if you are uh, posting a posting some content publishing content in favor or not in favor of some entity then you must uh, clearly highlight if it's a sponsored post or uh, you know if it has been uh, if it is under uh, someone if the if it is a uh, post by a guest writer directly from that particular project and so on so these things need to be highlighted and uh, uh, i feel that uh, some of the top publications they do not have uh, they do not compromise on their principles and uh, uh i mean they are fine seeing like a lot of money go away from their table uh, if they even if they don't say yes to a uh, uh business uh, business's request but uh, uh like holding uh, these uh, journalistic principles and being like true to yourself i think that plays a lot of role very important role in crypto industry in the crypto media space and uh, also you see uh, the shelf life of Uh, a lot of crypto media publications it is not very long except for maybe two not even like three or four major publications uh, so maybe like publications like coindesk or uh, the block so these are like some of the major publications in the crypto industry and they have been around for about 5 to 6 years now so the so there's longevity to that but uh, and if you see that they are very clear about their stories like if there is a sponsored content they will highlight it and uh, so on but like if you are talking about a small crypto publication then it is very easy to influence them because they are also starting just now and uh, they do not have that uh, 
you know, like that big bank uh, to for their operational costs and uh, paying of their employees and, and the like. So it is the challenge is to remain honest during testing times, because even when I was working with the BTC manager, now Crypto.News in 2016, 17, uh, there was not a lot of talk about the industry, like barely anyone even cared about what is Bitcoin, what is Web3 wasn't even a word until then. So, uh, I mean, of course, then you can imagine that there, if there's not a lot of hype, then there won't be a, a lot of money as well. And uh, there, because there was not a lot of money, then uh, uh, these crypto publications, they weren't like extremely profitable. Like we were just uh, uh, like moderately profitable, you would say. And maybe sometimes we, uh, we in some, some months we were just breaking even like uh, just cost and uh, revenues they just matched. But at the time, it would have been convenient for us to just, you know, like sell our soul to the devil and publish sponsored content stories for every project and so on. But we held on to our uh, standards and we clearly highlight that we only uh, we remain uh, unbiased. And even, uh, if there is a sponsored some sponsored story, we will we always highlight it. And uh, that I think that kind of commitment to uh, journalistic standards they stem from the culture in your team like the company culture and the uh, kind of people you have in your team and uh, fortunately i was uh, with people who also valued journalism and uh, uh, some of the people i worked with uh, initially were people from uh, um, other prominent publications like uh, TechCrunch, la times new york times and so on so we shared that uh, respect towards the profession of journalism, and uh, that I think helped us tremendously in uh, not being not only being uh, in the industry, but also like scaling uh, in the industry over the years. And uh, today, Crypto News, like we are like uh, among the top publications, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully we uh, continue to uh, remain true to the art of journalism in the future. We hope so too, I think, and we definitely put a lot of our faith in you guys. Uh, and uh, I think you mentioned uh, the boom of 2021 and how all you needed was one single pitch deck. And I, I think a single post-it note would also do in uh, 2021, uh, just a <laughs> verbal pitch somehow. Uh, the minute someone heard crypto, they had their money out. Uh, right. But... Uh, uh, so that was 2021 where I think we've evolved as a market also uh, and we've uh, become wary of such startups. We know uh, the difference between uh, something that might be faulty and something that can really run. So and again, I want to open this up to both uh, you and Bucks. Uh, is what makes for a good crypto uh, project or a good crypto startup today? And you guys can so uh, let me let me let me go first on this one. So um, when you hear of crypto, right, it 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 it's a very different uh, economy than the startup economy or like a business or like a revenue scaling business or something like that. Because in the crypto industry, or especially in the NFT industry, you get money first and then you have to build the business later, right? However, when you're uh, like doing an online e-commerce business or you're doing a services business, you first do the effort, you first build the effort. Uh, and then you get the revenue or the reward, right? And what happens in this economy where you're getting rewarded before you actually deliver the output is that a lot of people kind of don't need to deliver the output. They've already got the reward, right? There's no economic incentive on them to deliver the output. For example, if a project is valued at 50 million based on just a pitch deck, they they don't have that much incentive to take the valuation to 70 million based on revenue, right? So you need to be very careful in um, making sure that the team or that the project has something to lose if they don't live up to what they promise, right? And I think the easiest one uh, is team. If the project has established some sort of credibility and that the fact that uh, the founder would literally be like stuck if he does not deliver on the output, that that's the first one. Also, you want a team who probably has some experience in building businesses in the past. And third, you really want to see if the project that they are creating actually has some utility as opposed to, you know, just um, being another hype-based project, being another board apes or something. But that that's my little two cents on this. 
uh, Aishwarya, what about you? What, what do you think? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, Bakshi uh, uh, pretty much covered all of it. So just to like expand on some of his points. So he mentioned about how the industry differs from uh, uh, traditional industries in that uh, projects, they get the money first and then they are, it is up to them how they utilize it. So there's a very uh, important uh, point that I would like to highlight here is that just uh, because a project is uh, has not rugged or has not like deleted their Twitter account doesn't mean that only those projects are scammed. There's a lot of uh, slow rugs, so to speak, in the industry that uh, where they'll just raise 50, 60 million. And uh, what you will hear from them is like a tweet or two every two weeks, every one week and so that we are working on it. We are work doing this, we are doing that. And they'll probably just share some photos of some billboard with the project photo uh, and then they just share it with the social media, we are back and so on. But uh, I mean, but behind the scenes, there's nothing happening, right? I mean, there's no uh, development, uh, business development that is taking place. There is no smart contract development. If you go check their, um, go check their GitHub or anything like that, you won't see any number of com comments in the past two months, three months. And uh, that's how you will be able to identify the uh, quality projects from uh, all these rugs and slow rugs. And uh, I think the, uh, some of the indicators that can help you differentiate between the two as uh, 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 Baksh mentioned is the about the teams, like you should have a fair idea about the people who are involved in the project. Um, also, uh, like, like go, go through their LinkedIn profiles. I mean, uh, they are not coming back at you if you see, see their LinkedIn profile. Just go through their past experiences where they have worked and uh, check out their Twitter. So, I mean, uh, for crypto, Twitter is uh, the uh, Point where everyone everything comes together right like crypto twitter it's like the it's like a whole different dimension like um, everyone is there and uh, you and everyone is also very approachable so um i remember like uh, i published a story on ftx about two to three months back and that was retweeted by sbf himself so i mean i mean it's not like there's a lot of hierarchy in the industry like, as uh, bucks mentioned in the previous uh, answer that it's all about networking as well. So just go on crypto Twitter, like engage yourself with the uh, community over there, ask questions, however dumb you think they might be, and talk to them and you'll you'll learn a lot more. And um, in addition to that, I also feel you should have a good understanding of the business model of the project. Like you should see where, you should try to identify where the revenue is coming from, if there is any revenue coming in, and if that revenue is sustainable. Uh, for example, we see a lot of projects uh, where they say, uh, let's say they have a maximum supply of 10 million XYZ token, and they'll say something like, for every transaction, we burn this many tokens, or we'll have a quarterly burning, monthly burning from our re uh, revenue and so on. But, uh, but I mean, all this sounds good because uh, if you apply the logic of demand and supply, supply goes down, then obviously the price will go up if the tokens are being burned. But uh, you need to see like what uh, portion of the total tokens is, are these being are these tokens being burned from. So a lot of times, what happens, these teams they will allocate uh, let's say 20, 30 percent of their supply for marketing and uh, promotion events, and uh, you see that what the tokens that they are burning, which are not even out in the market yet. So and they are burning tokens from that uh, allocation, which is not out in the market. So. Reducing those tokens doesn't impact the market price because they are not the in the circulation. So these are like uh, these are like small small things that you need to be very aware of. You just just don't go by uh, uh, the surface level uh, uh, knowledge. Like if someone says that we are burning tokens, so just don't think, oh god, they are burning the tokens, so the price will go up. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to do your own uh, research. Like go through the white paper properly and ask questions about them. If something is not clear to you, like ask questions to them on Twitter because uh, uh, everyone like replies on Twitter. I mean, like you don't want to be in the bad books of crypto Twitter because uh, there are some really influential people over there and uh, just engage with them. And uh, also like you can, uh, some uh, another point related to tokens is to check the token vesting schedule of the uh, projects that you are interested in. So, 
uh, one thing that makes a project successful is uh, everyone who is a part or all its stakeholders they should feel uh, um, uh, how do I put it they should feel uh, that they are contributing to the project's growth, right? I mean, you don't have to be a coder and develop smart contracts. You can just just use the project or um, be participate in the beta testing of a new project feature or service, and uh, you can get rewarded for that as well. And check out the token vesting schedule because a lot of times what happens is uh, uh, private investors, whenever they they get like tokens at dirt cheap price. Like the public sale, whatever that. Uh, suppose a token is selling at uh, one dollar and public sale, public sale. So the private investor or seeds investor, they will like, they would have likely got it at ten cents, twenty cents. So as soon as the public sale happens, we feel that uh, as retail investors, we might think that this is a public sale. It's uh, we are grinding for the whitelist. We are doing God knows like registering for ten Discord servers, tweeting five times a day just for that precious whitelist spot we feel that we have earned that but uh, for a public in, for a private investor they might just see it as an opportunity to just dump their initial lock and at least cover their investments so i mean don't just jump into a project directly after it has uh, uh, it has like started its public sale or so and uh, like check out the revenue generation model of these uh, uh, businesses because a lot of projects in defi especially today we have a lot of tokens, but there is not a lot of utility to these tokens. I mean, I'm pretty sure like maybe about 80 percent of these projects don't they don't even need a token. Like the token is just a way to <clears throat> sorry incentivize users to like buy their bag, so to speak. Not all projects. I mean, uh, um, not all of them. Some have real utility. Like for instance, Ether has a utility in that it is used to pay for gas fee, but like. Um, the majority of the projects they don't actually need a token so just see like if your if the tokens that you are buying they actually have any any utility or are they just being used for speculation purposes and token will only get a utility if the uh, project's business model is uh, uh, it is uh, actually productive right like if the model is not productive you are the uh, value accrual will not happen to the tokens and it will be a worthless token no matter what its price might be today. So these are like some of the things that uh, you can go through to identify uh, successful crypto projects like go through the revenue generation uh, streams and the token model and go through the teams and uh, yeah, and yeah like uh, like hold them accountable for the funds that they have raised like ask them questions frequently about it. So speaking about successful projects, uh, Bux, I assure you about a few some projects that you guys are currently uh, looking at, some that you think are interesting. Could be one to a uh, handful. Oh, Battle Astra. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hope to be the force that... Um, yeah, <laughs> no, but I hope to be the force that uh, brings like millions of people into Web3 through our project. I'm not sure if Ashwari is aware of what we do, but uh, we'll not get into that right now. But um, yeah, I think the only project that I'm looking for right now is Battle Astra and maybe a second would be Bitcoin. Perfect. Yeah, hopefully so Bitcoin I'll... Uh, and Battle Astra. Uh, Ashwari, I, I saw look, you were saying something. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to the whitelist allocation for Battle, <laughs> for Battle Astra. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, to answer your question, um, that's a very tricky question to answer, right? So like whatever I say, it, I mean, it might come off as I'm selling my bag or so to speak. Uh, but like... So you could uh, also just, say just... Battle Astra and uh, we can move <laughs> on to the next one. <laughs> uh, yes, sir, I mean Battle Astra. But like I would like to also uh, share a few tokens that uh, genuinely interest me. And... Uh, I feel at the moment it is a very good opportunity to uh, interact with uh, Ethereum layer two solutions. Like uh, we recently saw Optimism, they did their airdrop, and uh, we also have Arbitrum, which is like uh, another major uh, layer two solution. We also have zk Sync, which there, which is uh, like a scaling solution that uses uh, zero knowledge proofs. So that is just to like hide your it is like a more privacy oriented uh, smart contract uh, version 
uh, layer two solution. So um, I'm fairly bullish on these projects because I feel uh, uh, Ethereum has that first mover advantage in smart contracts and it is broken like as of, I mean, right now I feel Ethereum is broken because uh, uh, the gas fees, it is not affordable for retail investors and that's not feasible at all. Also, I also feel the UX is not something that is very um, easily understandable for uh, common users. I mean, we as crypto regions, we know where to click on MetaMask and how to approve transactions and so on. But uh, a normal person, they do not have so much time to approve transactions and so on. So uh, I think Ethereum uh, uh, might, might need to work in that direction as well. Uh, but like I'm fairly uh, confident on these layer two projects. Uh, so if you want to, I mean, I don't know like uh, what will be the airdrop criteria, but uh, just like move some ether from Ethereum to uh, Arbitrum, use their uh, bridge or you can like use hop bridge or whatever it is. And just like uh, use different protocols on Arbitrum, like swap a few tokens on Uniswap or SushiSwap on Arbitrum and uh, maybe like buy their nfts like uh, i mean they are not even that expensive nfts it's just like maybe like five dollars ten dollars and you just interact with the ecosystem vote on the governance proposals and so on like actively communicate with the community uh, because all these things might be taken into consideration when and if they decide to launch uh, launch their token so that is the and same for zk sync and uh, besides Ethereum, I am also uh, I also like Solana right now because uh, I mean I know we like the, like Solana gets a, got a lot of criticism because uh, you know like it's a centralized blockchain and uh, it's a nine to five chain. It goes down every other week and so on. But uh, uh, but I I mean. Uh, Solana is still like in its beta phase and uh, it's a very early uh, stage for the project. We also saw Ethereum in like 2015, 2016, like Ethereum was facing a lot of issues back then as well. And I feel that uh, like in, in my personal opinion, I feel Solana today is where Ethereum was back in 15, 16. And uh, they do have a lot of projects that are working towards scaling up the technology like to um, so Solana doesn't have gas fees uh, as of now, right? I mean, it's, it's negligible. So what happens is that due to very low gas fees, although it's good for us, but uh, whenever like a very hyped uh, NFT mint is going on in Solana, you have a lot of bot transactions. Like these bots, they just keep spamming transactions just to get, mint as many NFTs as possible. So that makes it difficult for uh, normal users to mint an NFT. So uh, they are working on a project called Quick. UUIC. So that is essentially a solution that uh, uh, implements uh, implements uh, like uh, it segregates transaction based on urgency. So if you if there is a very urgent transaction that you want to get confirmed in a second, then you have to you'll have to pay some fee. Otherwise, you can just like do a normal transaction. So that is something I feel that is really innovative for uh, Solana blockchain and. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows, like, I mean, maybe three, four years from now, we won't even be talking about Solana or maybe not even Ethereum. I mean, no one knows. It's just like barely 15, 12, 15 years old industry. But as of right now in 2022, I'm fairly bullish on like Ethereum layer two solutions and uh, Solana as well. Wonderful. And speaking about being bullish, what are some general uh, tech trends and industry trends that you guys are bullish on? Bucks, let's uh, start with you. So one thing that I'm definitely not bullish on is profile picture NFTs. Um, and that comes from being very into the NFT industry. I have sold like tens of thousands of dollars worth of profile picture NFTs in just like 20 minutes. And uh, but what I believe in much more is the future of the metaverse. Uh, when it comes to NFTs, I feel the problem is that at the point, at the time when we were selling NFTs at my previous company, it was just um, pure hype and uh, a lot of people who were buying the NFTs are um, just hardcore fans, you know. But I feel an influencer or a celebrity has only so much access to their fans 
and at some point when if there is no utility then the fans would either stop being fans or not purchase any nft but when it comes to the metaverse i see metaverse actually solving some real use cases um that we have um, like some real problems that we have today you know uh, for example uh, we were just i was just discussing with one of my advisors as how do i manage my team you know our team is in like three four different time zones how do i manage my team and then it occurred to me you know the metaverse might actually be able to fix this so all in all i feel that the metaverse is going to solve a lot of problems that um, we currently face uh and a lot of problems that we face right a lot of solutions that we see right now in the web3 industry are actually solutions to problems that don't exist so especially for a founder i would say that um, first find a problem and a solution not a way to make money then a solution and then a problem right but that's my two cents aishwarya what about yeah you? yeah so i mean uh, i really like the point uh, that talks made about uh, finding solutions that uh, to problems that do not exist and i think that's been the theme for the crypto industry in the past year or so like uh, like we are dying to get problems so that uh, we can <laughs> make some uh, product fit for that but uh, yeah so like speaking of uh, the trends that i'm bullish on i'm 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 fairly bullish on privacy coins and uh, privacy coins like monero zcash and the like because uh, uh, because with the increasing digitization of everything there is uh, hardly any individual privacy left right because uh, even if you see the concept of cbdc's which is the central bank digital currencies which are for our listeners who might not know it it is uh, essentially just a cryptocurrencies that is issued by a central bank of a uh, country and uh, all the supranational uh, organizations such as the IMF and WEF and the BIS the Bank of International Settlements they are very high on uh, CBDCs and uh, that is a use case like I, I i feel that is a good use case of uh, blockchain technology and cryptography but i also feel that could uh, vastly hamper individual privacy because uh, the use of cbdc would mean elimination total elimination of cash because cash is today cash is still uh, a lot harder to trace compared to digital payments because uh, especially if you make digital payments on blockchain that is immutable you can't re- uh, remove like eliminate those transactions uh, from the past so you are always leaving your digital financial trail wherever you are conducting any transaction and uh, uh, i think that is a concern that should be addressed and uh, uh like uh, and people also say that uh, you know like if you have nothing to hide why why are you worried and uh, i personally don't feel that way because i think uh, as a uh, like as a citizen of a country you should always have the right to privacy no matter if you're hiding something or not of course if you are like indulging in uh, illegal activities you have, you are i mean you first of all you should not do that and uh, if you are caught doing that then i mean you deserve everything that comes your way and uh, we also have like solutions that are anti money laundering solutions and uh, kyc solutions i think bug should know being from uh, crypto exchange like we have very stringent uh, aml uh, and kyc uh, uh, policies and regulations that uh, businesses are required to adhere to um that is that's so why i think that is enough uh, mechanism to ensure that uh, money is not being used for nefarious purposes but at the same time i think uh, privacy coins uh, they will be uh, i am fairly bullish on them because i think there is a fundamental need for privacy that is a that should be a fundamental right for everyone and coins like monero and zcash they do not uh, like when you uh, so just to explain the privacy coins in a few sentences like whenever you are making a transaction through bitcoin let's say i send you some bitcoin so if you go through that transaction hash you will see the sender's wallet address and the receiver's wallet address right so that uh, that helps uh, people to link those wallet addresses to maybe like a exchange address or and through that exchange they can get all the kyc details but with uh, privacy coins you uh, the kind of cryptography that they use uh, uh, that uh, makes the addresses 
non identifiable so the hash of the address it keeps on changing so it is like almost close to impossible for uh, uh, any uh, person to clearly pinpoint the origin of the funds or the final recipient of the fund only you and the recipient so if i am the sender only i and the recipient will know that the fund uh, transfer has taken place and no one else will know about it so that is my uh, bull case for privacy coins uh the other thing that i'm fairly uh, bullish on is uh, self sovereign identities so i mean uh, these are like identities based on blockchain so today we have uh, so many uh, emails right like we use one email to log into gmail another to for facebook another for instagram and so on and uh, these emails they we do not inherently own them right you do not own your instagram account you you are just using instagram as a platform to express your work and express your i mean show share your reels and your photographs and so on but you do not have complete ownership of of that account like tomorrow instagram can find you um um in violation of any of their uh, principles and they might deplatform you and they might ban you from the account uh, from the platform you can't do anything about it but uh, with self sovereign identities you actually own your virtual identity right like you can uh use this identity to log into your to any ethereum application you can use it to log into your uh, uh to the blockchain game that you are playing and uh, you can also use it to uh use it across blockchains like uh, we are uh, still in the process of building these bridging solutions so that for example if you you have an ens domain uh something something xyz.eth so you can use it on uh, other blockchains as well through bridging solutions and so on and you are actually owning these identities so no one can like just uh, say that you cannot use these identities identities from tomorrow so uh, i am also uh, fairly bullish on self sovereign identities and the final thing i would add is maybe gamefi because uh, i mean we we have a couple of uh, stories until now we saw how axie infinity became so popular um, over a uh, fairly short period of time although i mean i'm i'm i won't comment about their tokenomics model because we also saw how their token crashed and how there was no uh, inherent uh, demand for the token and uh, so on but i think these are still very early stages for gamefi and i think with constant uh, uh, reiterations and coming up with new gaming models and making a more uh self sustaining gaming economy i think gamefi could be a very good uh, avenue for the crypto industry in the future so these are like three things that i'm fairly bullish on today wonderful so i think uh just a final few quick questions before we wrap up today's podcast uh so as a very very senior journalist from the crypto space someone that has a lot of experience uh what some advice that you'd like to give to uh, young crypto uh, enthusiasts that also want to get into uh, the crypto media uh, in any anything particular that you'd uh, suggest uh sure so uh, if you are looking to get into crypto media specifically i would advise uh, you just start writing a blog i mean uh, that's the first uh, step to getting your work out there right like if you just start pinning your thoughts down and once you're like writing your blog maybe a substack or medium whatever whatever your choice is just pin down your thoughts and like write it and don't care much about how perfect it should be and how how is the structure and all just like put down your raw thoughts and then like proofread it and then like edit it like uh, take care of the structure and just publish it publish it frequently like maybe if you want if your time uh, if your work schedule allows you to do uh, it then do like one one blog a week or one blog every two weeks and just keep uh, keep it pushing out and uh, share it on your twitter share it on your linkedin and uh, ask for feedback uh, because feedback always helps uh, and uh, and uh, i see a lot of uh, people who are interested in crypto media they get a little overwhelmed with all the technical jargon like uh uh i mean not the technical jargon of 21 rag me and all but like uh, the uh, actual technical jargon about what is 
for instance, like the self-sovereign identities, what is SSIDs or uh, what is uh, zero knowledge proofs and so on. So uh, like, like uh, and learn about these terms, use them in your pieces. And because if you use these pieces, you will not only understand them, but for the reader also, they would, uh, these things, when you use these words, they will bring you a lot of credibility in your article. They won't just think that you like picked up uh, the Bitcoin with white paper yesterday and today you are writing. I mean, no, I mean, if you have actual knowledge about what a zero knowledge proof does and how it functions and its utilities, then you can just like write about it. And, uh, that will also help your readers. And uh, um, as we touched earlier on in this podcast, like just network, like uh, send your uh, blog articles to your, uh, if you're uh, to your friends, to your LinkedIn circle, to on your, share it on Twitter, uh, tag people, like tag everyone, tag CZ, tag SBF, tag Brian Armstrong. I mean, just do everything because there are no, I mean, no one is stopping you from that, right? And, uh, uh, just write down and uh, also I think you'll get a lot of clarity of thoughts when you actually start using these protocols, which I mentioned earlier on. I mean, you can write about Uniswap, you can read about them, you can watch the videos, but unless you actually use the protocol, you won't come across these smaller things that these videos and these uh, articles might not teach you. Like uh, what happens if uh, the slippage is uh, not working? Should I, how should, how, how should I increase the slippage to get my transaction through? Or uh, how do I check if my transaction actually went through on Etherscan and so on. So these things will only come to you when you start using uh, the actual product. And once you use, you'll be big, better equipped to uh, write, uh, so to speak. So, I mean, that's pretty much like my two Satoshis uh, for anyone who is looking forward to uh, join the crypto media space. Wonderful. So do your research. Uh, just get your hands dirty. Use the protocols. Shoot your shot. Just put your articles out there. Don't worry too much about structure. Uh, just get started. And uh, don't forget to network because it's all about who you know. Uh, I think that was uh, the final question for our podcast today. Um, I'm going to open the floor up uh, both to Bucks and you. Anything that you'd like to say to our audiences. Uh, we'll go with uh, Bucks first and then Aishwarya, if you could close. So, I mean, a lot of people come to podcasts or come to media to to know where to put their money, right? I feel most people enter crypto with the hopes of making big money and just leaving. So, first thing, none of this is financial advice. Neither me, nor Aishwarya, nor Usayad can predict where the market is going to be tomorrow. Um, and if somebody Definitely does tell not- you that... And if somebody does tell you that they know where the market is going to be tomorrow, they're probably lying to you. Um, But that's basically it. You know, the fundamentals is just do your own research. You can't be relying on multiple people and multiple sources, especially if um, they are not like legitimate sources. Wonderful. And uh, Aishwarya, anything that you'd like to say to our audiences? Yeah, so... uh, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, do your own research, as Baksh mentioned, that is like the holy grail if you want to make it in crypto. And uh, don't get swayed by all these, uh, uh, you know, like slogans like, like me, we are all going to make it because not everyone will make it, right? Like that's the bitter truth. If everyone is making it, then no one is making it because there's no difference between anyone. So, I mean, like, don't get very emotional with your bags. I mean, uh, if you have bought something and uh, you are underwater, like, first of all, don't invest what you can't afford to lose. I mean, I know that's been beaten to death by now, and everyone says that, but uh, you need to stick to that because I feel like, personally, I feel it's the most obvious things that we tend to ignore, and that's what uh, that makes a lot of difference, right? Like. Uh, do not invest what you cannot afford to lose and uh, do not be emotional with your uh, tokens or bags, so to speak. Like if you have bought something, so this is just my personal opinion. Like my personal strategy is to just, uh, uh, I like to book profits. I don't like to go for 10x, 20x. I have a a separate bag for that. That is like, that deals with like very small market cap projects. And I've like put like very negligible amount of money in there. 
but I like to deal with quality coins, right? So um, I like to book constant profits because that keeps me in check. And it does, it also makes sure that I am not being very greedy because I've seen a lot of people, even in my circle, um, that greed gets the better of them very often. Even during the 2017-18 cycle, like I saw people like they made, they started with thousands, they hit the portfolio ATH all-time high of maybe like almost close to a crore and then like lost it all, like came down 99%, lost everything. And uh, that is not a good place to be at. Like you see your portfolio rising up and then you're still holding it just because um, you think, you, you know, like sky is the limit and you have beaten the market. You are the genius in the room. It doesn't work like that. I mean, uh, Mark, if anyone says they have got the market figured out, uh, just just like uh, don't, uh, I mean, try not listening to them because market punishes everyone. I mean, you can't be, you can be anyone in the world. You can be the most powerful person in the world, but uh, the market will punish everyone, whoever tries to be greedy, especially. So like keep your greed in check and uh, don't be afraid to book your losses if you are severely underwater. Like if the loss is too big for you to um, hold on or if you have some urgent payments coming on, might be something related to medicine, medical treatment or you have to pay fees for something or could be like the next six to eight months uh, emergency fund or something. Like keep that amount separately. Like take care of all your basic needs and then like according to your have a also have a good uh, risk uh, risk chart like you should identify what kind of an investor you are are you risk averse are you risk seeking or are you like somewhere in the middle and do your risk management accordingly and like set up some milestones about your portfolio that once i hit this target i'm selling this much out and do not like question it again like you hit that target just get out do not think oh no no a little bit more or a little bit more that's the that's the recipe for your portfolio getting wrecked so i think i mean these are some of the tips that i think can benefit uh, uh, people uh, who are looking to crypto for investment purposes and uh, as Bucks mentioned like none of this is financial advice i'm not a financial advisor and uh, i'm just a degen who is hanging out on twitter and <laughs> trying to swap some internet coins so that's pretty much it you know we all say that i'm not a financial advisor i don't know where these financial advisors are you know <laughs> <laughs> i've not exactly. seen anybody say i am a financial advisor <laughs> yeah i am actually a financial advisor box and my financial advice to everyone is to uh save this podcast share it with all of your crypto buddies uh Thank you so much, Bucks and Aishwarya, for your time. Uh, do look out for Battle Astra. It's going to come around and change the crypto scene. And uh, Aishwarya, thank you. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Uh, make sure that all of our listeners, you go ahead, follow Aishwarya Tawari on all social media platforms and uh, check out uh, his work on crypto.news. Uh, and like I mentioned, don't forget to save this podcast. If you're on YouTube, anywhere else, like, share, uh, subscribe. Uh, let everyone know about this podcast and we'll keep bringing you more and more interesting guests, much like Aishwarya. Uh, see you guys in the next episode of the Battle Podcast. Until next time, this was me, Osayad Bhatt, signing off.